The Denver Broncos have moved on from veteran safety Kareem Jackson after he spent a good portion of the last handful of years here with Denver. How does this impact the safety position? And what would we like to see from the Broncos in these final two weeks? You're going to get all that and much more. Today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode, Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Every single day, you can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast every single day, all year long. We have you covered with everything you need to know about the Denver Broncos. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports, running solo today. To download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. There's a lot of change I think we'll be in the air here for this Broncos football team as we move forward into the new year. 2023 had its own twists, turns, I think, in all of our personal lives. But when we talk about our coverage here on the Denver Broncos, things have definitely been interesting this season. And I think even though that Denver at this point, look, the last two weeks have been very disappointing for Denver. I think overall the team is headed in the right direction, but there's still a lot of things that they have to address. I think both of those things can be true here. But one thing that is true is that the Broncos, they are moving on from veteran safety Kareem Jackson. Now, on Christmas Day, they had waived him because he was on the reserve suspended list. And usually when you're on that list, that takes away a roster spot. So, I mean, I mean, it frees up a roster spot. So when they placed him on for a suspension, it created a spot on the 53-man roster. And then what had happened was, okay, in order to bring him back, well, now you have to release somebody from the 53-man roster. And Denver at this point, Sean Payton, he was very coy about it all last week after it was, you know, Kareem was eligible to return against the Patriots. And then on Christmas Day, we got the news that he was waived and there was some optimism that the Broncos would try to bring him back onto the practice squad and then use the standard elevation for the final two weeks of the regular season to be able to elevate him and to use him overall on game day. But even then, when we talked to Sean Payton after Kareem was waived, there was this kind of coyness that, you know, we don't know. Like, we weren't sure if they were going to bring him back or not. And at this point, I mean, they I don't know if they planned on it, but one thing that did happen was the Houston Texans, they were awarded Kareem off of waivers. So his time as a Denver Bronco has officially come to a close. And I think we just have to take time here. Look, for some reason, because of, you know, this, the fan base is kind of split on Kareem a little bit, which to me is just so weird. Half the fans call him dirty. Some fans love him. Kareem's the furthest thing from a dirty player. And look, I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking of getting to know Kareem Jackson, the football player, every day, being able to see him and to talk to him in the locker room, knowing Kareem Jackson, the man away from the football field, and seeing how his teammates care about him. Kareem is the furthest thing from that. But Kareem gets to go back to the Houston Texans where he was drafted as a former first-round draft selection out of Alabama, and he gets to reunite with one of his former teammates, D'Amico Ryans, who's now the head coach. Jimmy Ward, their safety just got placed on IR, so Kareem could be entering a very, very ideal situation where in these next two weeks, the Houston Texans have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs. And just want to say thank you so much to Kareem for his time here in Denver. It was a pleasure to cover him on the football field, off the football field, him doing his community work. I mean, some of the things that 
fans don't even pay attention to that Kareem does. Kareem takes kids Christmas shopping every single year. He does community events. He does charity events, turkey giveaways on Thanksgiving. And on top of that, he hosts football camps for kids here locally as well. I mean, Kareem is a guy who takes time to spend time in the community. And that is so important. And all of his teammates always come to his community events and support him. And I can tell you the impact that Kareem has had inside the Broncos locker room, very, very significant for the guys on the defensive side of the ball. And even for some of the guys on the offensive side of the ball, Kareem includes like there, this is a locker room. And we talk about relationships and dynamics, very tight knit. Like these guys spend time together away from the facility Almost all of them. Like this is one of the closest Broncos teams in terms of locker room and that connection. And we talk about guys just being involved. To me, it's it, it's a great sign. That's what you want to have for these guys. So Kareem gets to head back home. Grateful for his time here with the Denver Broncos, the things that he's been able to do. And look, for a while, he and Justin Simmons were one of the best safety duos in the National Football League, especially when Vic Fangio came in and took over. As the head coach, we really got to see that dynamic. But not only was Kareem's impact as a safety big for the Broncos against the run, heck, even in the passing game. But we talk about mentorship and, and the aiding and the development of some of these younger guys. That was one thing that stood out to me about Kareem. Like, you know, Kareem's obviously a veteran guy. He's a little bit older here in the National Football League, playing 14 years in the NFL. That's hard to do for the guy who plays safety, right? But he's been able to do it because he takes care of his body. But the moment that, you know, the Broncos have ever added a safety, whether that's Caden Stearns, whether Delarian Turner, you know, even Jamar Johnson at one point, P.J. Locke, you know, I talked to those guys consistently throughout the last couple of years, and they said, you know, anytime, you know, we hear stories like being young guys coming in the NFL, like, hey, if there's a veteran there, Usually they're like, oh, this guy's here to take my spot. He said, no, Kareem helped us with everything that we needed to know. He helped make us better players. He helped us understand the playbook. He he understood. He gave us these little tips and tricks, you know, away from the field to take care of our bodies, but also to put us in a position to have sustainability in the NFL. That's the type of guy that Kareem Jackson is, and that's the type of guy I hope Broncos country remembers. I'm going to miss covering him in Denver. He's a hard-hitting, tone-setting guy. Definitely had a big impact. And, you know, Broncos players obviously bummed out that, you know, Kareem is no longer going to be inside the locker room. A lot of them did a lot of uh, going through on social media and thanking Kareem for his time and just talking about how important he was to them, including Justin Simmons, P.J. Locke, Caden Stearns, everybody in the secondary from Riley Moss, Damari Mathis, Russell Wilson going on social media and sharing his praise. So that is uh, something I wanted to kind of you know bring home and kind of bring to the forefront here as it pertains to the news of the Broncos moving on from Kareem Jackson. Kareem gets a new start and a new opportunity with the Houston Texans and what could be his final season here in the National Football League. Could he be in line for the playoffs? So now it's evident that Denver at this point, they're going to be rolling with Justin Simmons and P.J. Locke as their one-two punch, their one-two duo. But I think it's important to kind of put this on the radar with two weeks left in the regular season. P.J. Locke is a free agent after this year. And I think the question is, will Denver bring him back? I think they'll want to bring him back. But I think that P.J., for as much as he's put in work behind the scenes, I don't know how he feels or whatnot, but P.J.'s put in a lot of work to where some teams this year in free agency are going to reach out to him and try to bring him in and try to maybe entice him to come play for them. Like He's a talented player that can excel in a core four special teams. He's proven he can be a starter in the National Football League. So that is something I think Broncos country has to keep an eye on here. But also, I think at the same time, like this is also an area of concern here for the Broncos because really behind Justin Simmons and P.J. Locke, the Broncos don't really have a viable, sustainable option at the safety position. Delarian Turner-Yell is not quite ready yet. Doesn't mean he can't be. He's just not ready right now. 
JL Skinner, apparently like doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for quite some time. It's going to take a couple years, I think, for him to develop. And he may even be on the bubble going into next season. He's got to, he just got to take steps forward. He can't even break it in on special teams right now, which that is where it's a little frustrating, right? But he's a young guy. This could be a redshirt season and training camp could be make or break for him next year. But right now I sit in my position. I don't know how you feel as fans. I don't feel comfortable right now with the Broncos depth at the safety position. I think it's a very, very big concern here as we move forward. And Denver's going to have to address it. And look, I don't know like what the plan is because obviously we talk about the, the pending salary cap. We don't know what the NFL is going to set it at. We don't know what the Broncos roster moves are going to include here. We don't know which player is going to be in line for an extension. I will get the extension. There's so much at stake here for the Broncos. But in my opinion, I think P.J. Locke absolutely has to be back in Denver. But we'll let the process play out. That's what free agency is for. And I'm sure he's going to have interest in staying. I know he loves it here in Denver. He loves his teammates. He loves his coaches. But you know what? Hey, look, this is a guy who's busted his tail, has become a vested veteran in the NFL, and has a chance to maybe, if there's a team out there that wants him to be a starting safety and is willing to pay him, that might be hard to not listen to. So something to keep an eye on here. Put it on your radar to everybody in Broncos country as we go forward. But now that the Broncos are moving on from Kareem Jackson, they're now focused and moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers here for a New Year's Eve showdown. John Payton highlighted some of the concerns about the Broncos offense. And on top of that, the Chargers could be getting some guys back from the injury side of things. We'll break it all down here on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. Today's Locked on Broncos is brought to you by our friends at the Game Time app. And if you've ever had a frustrating ticket buying experience, we all know it could be a hassle when you're trying to find tickets at the last minute for some of your favorite events that are going on, whether it's sports, music, concert, whatever you may have, comedy shows. It is a frustrating experience, and you shouldn't have to deal with that. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time, they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you get to pick the section, and game time, they pick the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means that you always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. As we continue on today's episode, Locked On Broncos, we'll dive into the conversation. The Broncos are bracing for a New Year's Eve showdown against the Los Angeles Chargers, led by Easton Stick. And for a Chargers team that, you know, certainly was on the ropes a few weeks ago, Denver kind of put them in a little bit of a spiral. The Raiders put up 63 on them, and all of a sudden, they came close to beating the Buffalo Bills. The NFL is a wild week-to-week scenario here, and we've all seen that consistently throughout the season. But real quick, I want to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. Just a reminder, this podcast, you can get it for free every day, all year on YouTube. You can also get us wherever you get your podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team Every day here as we continue on today's episode of the show, I think it's important 
Denver now has to shift gears, right? You can feel as bad about Sunday's loss to, or yeah, Sunday's loss to the New England Patriots on Christmas Eve. There's not much you can do to change the reality that Denver, unfortunately, fumbled it away. They fumbled their playoff chances away in the course of the last two weeks against the Lions and at home against the Patriots. And we met with Sean Payton on Tuesday, and we heard him in his his press conference that he has over the phone with us. And he was not in a very good mood, and rightfully so. And I think he kind of encapsulated, encompassed, whatever it may be, encapsulated how Broncos country had felt. And it's just frustration. It's disappointment. Some of it's a little bit embarrassment there. But the reality is here, and I think Sean Payton was very, very blunt about the Broncos, about the offense, and it really put things into perspective. Now, one thing he did say, he called the Broncos, he called them the the offense, average or below average in a lot of the important years. We all know this third down. We know in terms of being able to run the football consistently, they're very average or below average in a lot of these categories. And it's really not until Russell Wilson gets out of the pocket and creates some things with his legs to, to be able to extend plays, to throw it downfield. That's where we saw the Broncos have the most life on the offensive side of the ball in Sunday's game. And, Everything outside of that from inside the structured part of the offense was just eh. Denver couldn't run the ball well with Javante Williams. Samaj P. Ryan didn't really see his first look or target really until the second quarter, kind of midway, almost close to the two-minute mark there. Jaleel McLaughlin has not had the success that he had early on in the season, and teams are understanding now like, okay, well, hey, we understand Denver's personnel. Okay, hey, they got Javante Williams in the game. They've got Adam Troutman in the game, and they also have Chris Manhurts in the game. Well, that means that they're going to run the football here, and so they sell out against the run, and granted, folks, I think we had to acknowledge this. Somebody in the YouTube comments said, well, Denver abandoned the run game. Denver had no run game against the Patriots. The Patriots one of the best run defenses in the NFL, and they certainly proved it in Sunday's game here, but Denver has to find a way to open things up. And this is where we've we've begged and we've just talked about, hey, like hammer at home. The intermediate passing game has to be a thing. And look, some people are going to say, well, Russell Wilson can't see across the middle of the field. I, there were a couple of plays that we saw specifically in Sunday's game where Russ stood in the pocket. He threw it across the middle of the field and then Brandon Johnson couldn't haul it in. We've seen where he's been able to attack the middle field. So I don't want to hear those types of excuses because it's simply not true. Like the Broncos offense. By design, if you go through and you watch the All-22, when they run their routes, everything is so designed. It looks very complicated in a sense to the point. They're trying to free somebody open. They're trying to scheme somebody open, but yet it's taking too long to develop. You know how you mitigate that. Look, why can't the Broncos just go back to the last two weeks of last year, right, against the Chiefs and against the Chargers? We saw slant routes. We saw curls. We saw hitches. We saw the stuff on the outside. We saw crossing patterns there. Denver has not really emphasized that in their offense this year from a consistency standpoint. And to me, it's frustrating. That's on coaching, in my firm opinion. Sean's got to be better in that category there. You know, he's he's proven he can be a great play caller in the NFL, right? But I feel like I feel like he's still trying to prove that to people. And he doesn't need to. The thing is, is you need to get guys like Jerry Judy the football. Jerry saw his first target in the fourth quarter, which to me is it's inexcusable that Jerry Judy didn't even have a single look until, you know, 12 minutes and 11 seconds in the fourth quarter or nine 14 in that area. And all of a sudden, like Jerry's making a couple of plays. Once you actually get him the football, like why did it take so long to realize that? Why did it take so long to be able to go there? And people are like, well, nobody's getting open. You want to factor in. It's not that the Broncos have nobody that can't get open. It's the fact that the scheme designs and how they're running the routes because they're taking some time and they do require time 
that maybe nobody's coming open because it's taking time. Russ is facing pressure at times. And I think Sean made a great point in his, in his conference call with us. You know, he said there's times where there's a clean pocket and we have to stay there and we have to find it. We have to make the play. And then there's times where the pocket's not clean. It gets messy. Like it's a little bit of both. And so there, I think there's that accountability on there that obviously, yes, like in times there is a clean pocket. Sometimes Russ doesn't feel comfortable enough to sit in it too long. But there are times where he does. But then there's times where he simply has no time to sit in it. So it's this balance between, okay, what do we need to do on the offensive side of the ball to rectify this issue? They're really, I mean, we don't have an answer. We asked Sean Payton. Sean said, didn't really give us an answer either. He just gave us the, you know, we just have to perform. We have to execute better. He's not going to tell us anything scheme related. And I know a lot of Broncos fans want to hear about how Sean Payton wants to talk about scheme. Trust me, I would love to ask those questions. But you know what? We've already been told he's not going to answer anything about injuries and he's not going to answer anything to us related to scheme. He's not going to do that. So it's unfortunate, but we feel like we could get a lot of insight from it. But Denver, I think, is going to have to prepare for this week against the Chargers. They're obviously going to be preparing you know, with the possibility that Cortland Sutton may or may not be able to play in this game. He's going to have to go through concussion protocol. And for him, he suffered... You know, the the hit in the first quarter, I, I don't know what play it was on, but he went to the locker room and he was ruled out subsequently, you know, pretty quickly after that. So for me, I do think that Denver's going to have to figure out what their plan is. Could this be the week where we see Traquan Smith, who's been on the practice squad? Were we going to see him elevated? Look, Brandon Johnson had a couple of big plays this past week against the Patriots. It was nice to see from him. Obviously, there's little Jordan Humphrey who's got the size, but I think if Cortland Sutton is going to be out this week for the Broncos, you have to go in with the mindset that this is going to be a Jerry Judy game. We are going to give Jerry Judy eight or nine targets, and we have to find a way to feed him the football. There has to be a way to be able to amplify that because, look, you get two games left in the regular season. Denver picked up his fifth-year option, but... You know, there's not a lot like and it's not Jerry's fault. Like, that's the thing. Like the struggles that Jerry Judy has had this year simply aren't necessarily his fault. Yeah, maybe he's had like the Chargers game where he had the one drop and he obviously didn't get his back foot in. But Jerry has not been looked at consistently enough as he should be. And that to me, I think is a frustrating pain point going forward here for this Broncos team. And they're facing a Chargers team who last week against the Buffalo Bills nearly pulled off the upset. I mean, it was almost a perfect weekend for the Broncos that, hey, like the teams that Denver needed to lose lost except the bills like the chargers were they were close but then they chargered it away in the fourth quarter and then unfortunately the broncos couldn't take care of business against the new england patriots and that kind of cemented some things there but they competed really well against the bills they pressured josh allen a lot and they could be getting some help back this week as joey bosa could be back into the mix last week they activated him designated him to return from injured reserve obviously he had the groin and the foot injury um, throughout this season. So he could be back opposite of Khalil Mack this week. That would not be ideal for the Denver Broncos as they look to try to get a win on New Year's Eve at home. And that's another thing Sean Payton touched on. Denver just hasn't been good at home. They haven't been a good team. They've lost too many games at home that they should have won. That is a frustrating pain point here as we go forward here about today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. And look, there's two weeks left in the season. So what needs to happen? What would we like to see from this team? We'll dive deeper that here on today's episode. Locked on Broncos. Today's Locked on Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at Price Picks. And Price Picks is daily fantasy sports done right. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS because it's just you against the numbers. It's the most fun that I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and then you place your entry. 
With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. It is a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could go LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. If you want to play alongside some of Price Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Scholes, you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each week. So go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Locked On Broncos will highlight what do we want to see in these final two weeks. What needs to happen with this Broncos football team and Broncos countries you're watching along or you're listening? Make sure you comment on YouTube or you interact on social media at Cody Work NFL at Lockdown Broncos. Sarah Bettinger will return tomorrow as he does the crossover with the Lockdown Chargers podcast here to preview a New Year's Eve showdown between these two teams. Now, I think we need to put things into perspective. What needs to happen in these final two weeks? The Broncos have a 5% chance of making the playoffs, but folks, we got to shift our focus away from that. Denver, they're not going to make the playoffs this season. It's going to require a drastic miracle that you can't bank on it happening. Is there a statistical probability? Yeah, there's a chance. Super, super small. But that shouldn't be the focus here, right? What should be the focus for this Broncos team? Well, here's what it should be, in my opinion. And look, I, I'm very curious to see how you feel as members of Broncos country who are either going to attend this game on Sunday or even like fans that are going to be attending the Week 18 regular season game. What is Denver playing for at this point? I think considering the circumstances of where they started early on in the year, being at one and five, looking abysmal, the offense was really kind of carrying them in, in a, those first five to six weeks. And then the defense started to get their feet underneath them a little bit. And then we've seen a little bit of ebb and flow where the defense is a strong suit one week, the offense is a strong suit the next. There's just a balance and there's been a little bit of inconsistencies here. But the fact that Denver has more wins than they did last year, I mean, this is the most wins that they've had in quite some time since I think it was the 2016 season where they went nine and seven. This is a step in the right direction, right? And we even talked about this a couple of weeks ago, not losing the perspective that even if Denver doesn't make the playoffs, is this season a success? Now, in my opinion, this season was a success for the Broncos because it's hard when you have a brand new head coach and you're installing a brand new offensive scheme, you're installing a brand new defensive scheme to come in and expect instant success. Now, I think because the Broncos have high caliber players at several positions, I think we were like, okay, maybe that could be the wild card factor that maybe makes it a little bit easier for Denver to make the postseason to maybe compete for the AFC West. I mean, there's still even a chance that Broncos could win the AFC West. I'm not going to dive into those scenarios, though, because I feel like it just it gives too much hope, right? While there's a possibility, it's unlikely. So let's focus on the reality. What does Denver need to do in these final two weeks? Right now, they sit seven and eight on the season. But Broncos country, I think these next two games are so important. Not only are the AFC West games, you have a chance to sweep the Chargers for the first time in a long time. You have a chance to at least get a win against the Las Vegas Raiders because you haven't done that in several years now. And they're playing red-hot football coming off of the win against the Kansas City Chiefs on Christmas Day. Their defense is playing really well. They may have their head coach of the future and Antonio Pierce who's serving as the interim right now. Denver is in a position where you can halt a little bit of that momentum by getting two wins. And look, it's going to be tough to go into Vegas and get a win against the, the Raiders in a couple of weeks. The Chargers have shown that they can compete, even though that the last few weeks have been very ugly for them. They are a team that you still cannot overlook, despite the circumstances of them losing Justin Herbert. 
for me, I think the Broncos need to finish with a nine and eight record. Like I think that would be a huge, huge success. I think the season, as I've mentioned, is a success regardless because Denver got themselves out of the one and five hole to rattle off five straight wins to beat Kansas City, to beat the Buffalo Bills, to beat some quality teams at the time, even though that they've lost games that they shouldn't have lost. Right. And I think that's the perspective of how we look at the NFL as week to week, no matter what happens. And for five weeks, Denver was one of the best teams in the NFL there are things you can build off of. And there are things that the Broncos and that Sean Payton, George Payton, the Walton Penner family ownership group are going to learn about this team in the process that's going to carry them into the offseason. I think to make calculated decisions on where can we improve? What can we upgrade? Outside of the team facility, which that's already going to be a work in progress here, how can Denver improve some of the weaknesses that they have on their roster? So much is going to come of that. And look, we alluded to a little bit of it in yesterday's episode of Lockdown Broncos talking about whether or not is the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton dynamic, is that relationship going to be sustainable for where the Broncos need to get to, right? In order to get back to where they need to be, is Russ the guy that can lead the Broncos back to the playoffs? I think he can, but I think that the offensive structure around him has to be a little bit different in some areas. So there are some important decisions coming down the peak here for the Broncos but what will we learn about this team? And what have we learned? I've learned about this team by covering them, by seeing the guys, talking to the guys in the locker room. This is a close football team in terms of being like they do. They respect each other as teammates, but these guys are also friends away from the football field. That is so important to have inside of a team. And look, if you ever played a team sport, you understand the dynamics of, okay, there's going to be people on your team that you don't necessarily like, but do you do things with those people, right? Often at times, in most cases, you don't. I don't know who likes or who doesn't like anybody inside the Broncos locker room. All I know is that these guys, large groups of them spend time together. They have dedicated days throughout the week where they spend time together. They go do stuff, team bonding, friendship building. Like this is the important stuff that we don't ever get to talk about enough here in the NFL. I think the Broncos locker room dynamic is as tight as it's ever been. And I think that's a great sign to build on. And I think for anybody that may be a free agent coming into Denver at some point this offseason, I think that's going to be an appeal point for them is a, hey, this is a very, very good locker room to be in with these guys. And even though that there's been times where it's been ugly, like the 50 point loss to the Miami Dolphins, there's been tough losses where it's just dead silent in the locker room. These guys have a good enough perspective to know, like, we have to change some things. And if we can do that, we know what type of football team that we can be. That, I think, is a promising sign here. That's what I've learned about this Broncos football team this year. But I think if they can finish with two wins to go nine and eight, that is some big momentum for them going into the offseason where I think you're going to have a better idea of maybe what they're going to address going forward. You know, there's some guys due for contract extensions. Could Pastor Tan get extended this offseason? Quinn Miners, Lloyd Cushenberry set to become a free agent. Is he going to get extended? I'm very curious to see what Denver's plan is. But for me, I want to see that in these next two weeks here. Can the Broncos finish strong, finish 9-8, and eight, winning record for the first time in a long time? That would be a huge, huge step to send you into the offseason, regardless of the circumstances, if you're in line to win the AFC West, and regardless of the possibility that you could still creep into the playoffs, depending on what happens in these next two weeks, if you take care of business and some other teams falter, that's a lot to ask for here. But as we've learned in the NFL, anything is possible here. But with that said, Broncos country, that will wrap up today's episode of the show here. The Lockdown Broncos podcast, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, like the video, comment for the algorithm, interact with other members of Broncos country. We'll be back tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show. Sarah Benninger is going to sit down with Locked On Chargers for a crossover preview of Sunday's action. 
against the LAC. Easton Stick leading him at quarterback. The interim head coach there for the Los Angeles Chargers in offseason, a change approaching for them as well. Can the Broncos make things a little more difficult for them? That's the hope on New Year's Eve. We'll see you then.